When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we are back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. (laughs) I cannot tell you how much effort it took in my head to say the exact order of how I always say it today. I've messed it up twice like that. That's the kind of week it is. (laughs) It's incredible. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy week. It's a crazy week for the Americans. Also a crazy week for college football as a whole. And I know we both do like Mm -hmm. stuff that isn't just AAC that we talk about, write about all that stuff, you know. Uh, You know, for my Notre Dame stuff, it's USC week. That's a huge deal. And I've like ignored it. It's Tuesday and I should stop ignoring (laughs) it because I need to do a lot of stuff for that. Uh, is that yeah. at USC or at Notre Dame? Notre Dame. It's always, if it's in the October, it's always played at Notre it's, Dame. Okay. And once at USC, it's always the last week of the regular season. Right. Because we actually have good weather in California. So that's they can like play 100% out here. what it is. And they do the <laughs> vice versa with Stanford. So right? yep. Stanford's the final game this year and at Stanford. If next year, I think I might go to that, honestly, because it's been a while since I've honestly, been to a, a good Notre Dame, like non. Notre Dame Stanford should be a good game this year. Yeah. I think they're pretty comparable. Uh, but yeah, yeah. that. You know, look at us already off topic. Oh my God. It's not, off, it's, we're well-rounded <laughs> college football analysts. Yeah. So we could talk yeah. about anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, LSU just fired Orgeron, uh, oh my God. which like a $17 million buyout. So he's, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. But you know, Luke Fickle's got another job they opportunity. Beat, they beat Florida. So like, what? I think they were negotiating him getting fired because they had that whole like written agreement. I think they're yeah. probably negotiating all week. I think he probably knew it was coming before the Florida game. But he still beat Florida. Like, yeah. would you just go in and tank that game if you knew we were getting fired? No, I think I would win every game for the rest of the year to prove a point. <laughs> but if and he also, wasn't going to make it the rest of the year, if he also, knew he was going to be out just to be just petty. Really, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's and like you know, a level of petty I aspire to. But it's that game was great because it was this way for a lot of UCF fans who were having a bad Saturday to say, Florida's just as, you know, you know, at least we were supposed to lose Florida. I don't know. You know yeah. We might yeah. have gotten blown out, but uh, what's going yeah. on over there? Yeah, not great. It's, it's a smoke great. screen in the state of Florida that completely hide. Uh, well, literally every team in the state of Florida is bad this year. Yeah, it's not been fun. That's it, terrible. Florida State has been just a... They're terrible. Miami, yeah. did you see the handshake? Was supposed to be good, but they're... I thought they were going to... King's been hurt. They also just like yeah. clearly didn't develop on what they had built a little bit last year. Right. A couple, you know, again, the, you know, diverging into it, the CUSA teams, FAU and FIU have been disappointing. Willie Taggart's offense at FAU is shockingly bad, I think is yeah. a polite way to put it. You yeah. were way nicer about them in your article, in your AAC expansion article. I was like, you were very nice about FAU. Well, I think FAU's like, got some really good things going for them that make sense. Okay. But uh, I think right now, Willie Taggart's offense, they're good on defense. 
mm-hmm. that's worth anything. But no, they've been losing <laughs> games they should win. In a world that doesn't care about defense, being good on okay. defense is yeah. Not, and, I, it's not. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned my AAC expansion yes. that came out uh, earlier. We record. We're recording on Tuesday. We're a little yes. bit late to record this week through various. You know, who cares about it? That's, we're just late. <laughs> it is what uh, it is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but my article came out this morning, so you're mm-hmm. probably going to hear this 24 hours after the article went up. Uh, basically, on Monday night, it was announced that, well, not announced, reports came out that yeah. the there are six Conference USA schools that are going to apply for membership to the American in at least football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming most sports, it, you know, the Olympic sports get a little tricky because not every school has one, blah, blah, blah. That's way too into the details of what you know we're talking about here. Um, right. But uh, all six are also expected to be accepted like sometime this week, which is, again, expected. You're going to make me start drinking again. Hey, I'm, I'm using the language of the report. It's not my report. <laughs> it was uh, Pete Everybody's Thamel, expecting the first, these. Yeah. yeah. It was Pete, Pete Thamel from uh, Yahoo mm-hmm. Sports first report. I saw the Athletic confirm the report. Basically, it's, mm-hmm. it's out there. You've probably seen it too if you listen to the show. Um, right. Yeah, and FAU is one of those schools you know, largely to replace UCF, who's leaving for the Big 12, FAU's getting in. Uh, You know, they've got a nice little stadium. They've been putting money into their facilities. They've been good in recent years, so they're not as good as they could be this year. You know, big-name coach in Willie Taggart, big-name coach before him in Lane Kiffin. Say what you will about Lane Kiffin, the person, big name, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they open up recruiting to the Fort Lauderdale, South Florida area, which is important. So, yes, those are the reasons I gave for FAU's probably makes sense. Uh, yeah, I thought you, I thought you did a good job. If, if you guys haven't read the article, you should definitely go to Underdog Dynasty and read it because not only does Dan break down the teams that are coming in and the potential they bring and why they are a good fit, but he also talks about the situations for the teams that are left and what this means for the conference and what could potentially happen. So I thought it was great. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, yeah. I think so just before I forget to mention the six teams, in case you haven't heard it, yes. FAU, Charlotte, UAB, uh, Rice, North Texas, and UTSA. You had a different tone when you said Rice. Rice. I don't like that Rice. <laughs> rice and North Texas don't make sense to me, to be honest. Um, but your reasoning as to having a foothold in Houston that's in gotta Rice, be, that makes sense. It's yeah. the only reason that I can think yeah. of as to why you would still include, because Rice isn't they are historically bad at football and the AAC still sees itself as the power six football conference though that yeah. power six mantra should probably die now if we're getting rice it. Has, rice has a lot of potential. I think Mike Bloom, Mike Bloomer is a great coach. It's He's just really hard for you, isn't he? Yes. I love <laughs> bloom. He gave me the bet. He texted me the night before the app state game when I was there mm-hmm. and he had coached out that way prior to Stanford mm-hmm. and he gave me a really good breakfast recommendation. So shout out. Bloom. I, hey, if it's a good breakfast recommendation, I actually have no <laughs> issue with him or it's just, I know. I'm talking just about the, the program, the program, yeah. the general apathy towards the program from the community. That it's a lot like Stanford, honestly, like that's how Stanford yeah. is with their program. Like, you know, uh, but bad. it is, but it is in the city of Houston and you're losing yep. a team in the city of Houston, which is one of the most important, if not the most important recruiting uh, markets and media markets in the country for college football. So, yeah. It's important Texas. to stay there, I guess. I didn't really understand North Texas other than trying to yeah. get to like, I mean, they've invested in the program. And this is something I should say. All six teams that got, you know, or that are 
you know, quote unquote, projected to be in the American. Expected. Expected, yeah. <laughs> projected, expected, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They're all teams that are willing to invest in their football program. They invest in facilities. UAB's got a really, I think, beautiful brand new stadium that they just opened up this year. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all putting the money and effort in. And that's important. Uh, that's why I think why North Texas got in. Plus, there's talk that because the AAC moved its headquarters to Dallas, uh, they're mm-hmm. really trying to make sure that they have a foothold in Texas still and block the Mountain West from poaching any teams. In particular, I think they're concerned that SMU might say there's a better option out there for us and leave. I don't, so I think- Well, trying- Memphis, I like you said in your article, I think Memphis is one of those teams too, because they desperately yeah. want to go, yeah. but to Memphis where? Wants, so that Memphis they would be- the Big 12. Like yeah, they do. They we'll would be primed happens. for the next round, like you said, if you bring in all these teams. Because I thought your point was interesting about the diluted shares and talking about, you know, how adding all these teams is actually like addition or subtraction by addition, weirdly. But yeah. and what I've been looking at now is mm-hmm. that it looks like the new teams are probably going to get a fractional share of the conference revenue to try right. to make up for that difference, which. It'll still be better than what Conference USA pays them, but it's not going to be nearly <laughs> yeah. what the other AAC teams will be getting. Is what that I heard is. that number for the the Conference USA it's deal. I was I was on Memphis radio this morning. And they I, I had not heard the actual number, and they said it, and I almost like fell out of my chair. I was like, "What? Yeah, that's no, it's, crazy." If anybody can negotiate that up, it's Mike Oresco. So I'm. <laughs> I'm like yeah, all no, in on that. I, I we uh, I think it's fun to ride on Mike Reshko and give him a hard time about a lot of things. But he but gets shit done. He is a very smart media mm-hmm. player. His mm-hmm. background, for those who don't know, is CBS Sports. I want to say he was an executive there. I know it's a, I, he was a TV sure. he was a TV executive before he was named commissioner of the Big East, which immediately became the American. Uh, he was oh, the Big to, East. Yeah, yeah, once upon a time. Uh, he yeah. was brought in to negotiate media contracts. So that's really, if there's one thing he can do well, it's negotiate yeah. media deal and see kind of the future of the media landscape. And I think that is important to remember. Um, I think there's a lot of AAC teams, though, that are going to be considering their own future in this. I think a team. They like- should. You know, like a team like ECU doesn't have anywhere else where they can land, unfortunately, for them right now. It's just not available. So right. you need to make the best of the situation. But uh, a team like Navy could very easily consider independence again if this isn't what they want, though their athletic director, Gladchuk, was on the committee that like looked up the six uh, or that kind of came up with these six names along with uh, SMU, USF, Memphis, and Navy's ADs were all in charge of this kind of search committee. So you know what's funny is... Well. The Navy um, contact for the media sent out an email, I guess, this morning, and it was the Yahoo email about the AAC is close to six school expansion. <laughs> he just sent, he literally it's just like sent the link to the article <laughs> to, to the media, and that was it. Like, no context, uh, nothing else. It's just, like, sources. The AAC is close to massive six school expansion. Sources, I was like, that's, I mean, that, I was like, that's interesting. That article like, literally is where like, it says like the name check glad checks, one of the names or one of the ADs who came up with this list of schools. So that's just, I just don't believe anything. I know. I loved your article. This is plan C. This is, yeah. you know, plan A. I just don't believe any of it. It was to not lose any teams to the big 12 (laughs) and possibly like if the big 12 folds on itself to grab a couple of teams that are like loose plan B was to raid the mountain West. And when they were like, like, Nope, well, no, thanks. 
get into the reasons it was they're varied but it didn't work you know? it didn't and now it was like, raid cusa and it seems like it's going to work but we don't know yet that it we has just worked. don't know that's the thing so yeah. we'll see so it's a wait and see that's exactly what we've been saying this whole time it's like it's interesting to talk about this and be prepared and that's why your article is so great but at the end of the day until there's paperwork signed i can't get behind any of it i can't i, I know you're not a big realignment person i, I hate love, it i love the realignment talk i know you. you're really good at you like take all these little angles that i would have never even thought of like okay i love it so it's, it's like fan fiction i love it <laughs> it is like fan fiction so you can build your own little conference in your head i've got oh a whole umass conference in my head where it goes like this right umass mm-hmm. uconn come together Temple says, oh, we kind of want out of this thing we don't geographically fit and emphasize basketball. All right, they're coming over too. That's, Old Dominion okay. and Marshall, they need a new home. We're up to five right there. Oh my Buffalo God. says, ooh, I like that. That's a little less travel for us. They're over. Western Kentucky, come on down. Then I'll think <laughs> Madison maybe. You know, maybe grab a couple of the New England schools, like maybe New Hampshire wants to take this step Ooh, up. Ooh, New Hampshire. And you've yeah. got a nice little eight nine team conference right there. And I'm a big fan of that. See, they should have a contest. Again, you know how like radio stations have contests to like be a DJ or like whatever? They should have like a conference realignment contest where fans come up with the best plans and submit them. And then right. the best one wins and they make it. Hawaii, Boston College, two team conference. <laughs> God, no. God, no. See, then you would get, you would quickly get it shut down by just doing that, by submitting that. So you can do like a four corners thing, like a Hawaii, Washington, (laughs) Miami, uh, DC, maybe Arizona state. This is terrible. I I regret, I regret it already. Beautifully built. All right. Well, anyways, go check out the article. It's great on underdog dynasty, but yes, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we do have three games to go over and review. Not, I mean, not that many games this past week, so it's, you know, going to be not too long. Uh, Short little podcast episode for you guys. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, so the first game is last Thursday, which feels like a month ago now. Uh, Navy 17, Memphis 35. Uh, For a brief quarter or so, I really thought Navy (laughs) was back. They had had an 11-minute touchdown drive, which was just unreal chef's kiss unreal and then the counter with the 69 yard one play (laughs) the calvin austin like reverse it was was epic like what game are you gonna see the longest touchdown drive of the season in all of college football and then the shortest that's incredible i mean you can't script that you just just can't it was actually hysterical um it was a great game It was a lot of fun. And I do think Navy is showing so much in-season improvement, but uh, Memphis was just way too talented on offense for them to keep up. Uh, And that's unfortunate because I picked Navy. So Yes, I was just going to say, I got this one right. My thought process was that, you know, Memphis is rushing defense. That Navy was back, but they're not back. It's not, well, not that Navy was back. (laughs) It was more Memphis has had a lot of trouble in their rushing defense. Uh, You know, like UTSA really ground them into the, ground them down with that uh Tulsa right. did a really good job grinding them down with that you know they were the momentum was completely against Memphis a little momentum building for Navy you know I figured it would work and again like I said when it was 7-7 Navy just had an 11 uh minute touchdown drive I was pretty confident with that still but yeah over Dan the- was texting me like basically taunting me and I was like you shouldn't do that <laughs> don't do but, it you know Everything, if you look at the stat book, everything worked out except for how explosive Memphis was. And then once Navy's down in a game, 
like by two scores. They they're can't kind of, come back. They're, done. they're yeah. usually done at that point uh, just because yeah. they're not designed to. Navy dropped back for like 12 passes and got sacked four times. Like that's not yeah. okay. <laughs> but it's also, Memphis was hungry. Like Memphis's defense they, came They wanted to prove to something. Eat. They wanted to yeah. prove something because they've been getting a lot of, you know, flack for how they played against Temple and how they played against Tulsa. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it's Rightfully a, it was, so. It was a rough so, month or so stretch for Memphis and they deserve to take some, yeah. you know, to take some of that on the chin, but it was good to see them bounce back. Definitely. And I think I'm ready to announce that Calvin Austin's the best wide receiver in the conference. I think I'm ready Oh my to, God. Ready oh my that. God. <laughs> what a great moment on the podcast just now, Dan. I'm so happy for you. I can stop here. You know, stop telling myself Reggie Robertson's better. I think it's Calvin yeah, Austin. <laughs> it's time. It's time. I was just really happy that, cause you're talking about how to, it's the rush defense. It's hard mm. to stop it. But in my mind, I was like, all you have to do is load the box with the, just everybody on your roster. And cause you know, they're going to run it one of three ways. And then if you force him to throw, he's just not that good at it. No, no Sometimes maybe. he'll get it, but you give up those tosses, yeah. you know, well, that, that's, that's okay. what Navy tries to do to keep you yeah. from overloading the box like that is to have the occasional, like uh, basically maybe a wheel it. route or someone yeah. in the seam. And no, you're right. They're not consistent. That's why they got sacked four times on 12 <laughs> dropbacks. They're exactly. not like, like nothing about their offense is designed to do that. Just bring it every time. And then you well, give up what you give up and you make up for it. You know, it's whatever. That's the chaos theory of defense, which is one I, I personally subscribe to. Yeah. I don't like, uh, you know, again, to talk about Notre Dame more than anyone wants to hear <laughs> a lot of Notre Dame fans were very upset with, uh, Marcus Freeman when he first came in because Marcus Freeman's a chaos like theory defensive guy in a lot of respects. He's I want to sack the other opposing quarterback. I want to force sacks for loss. I want to create turnovers. And if I give mm-hmm. up a 60 yard play here and there, well, so be it. Notre Dame fans weren't used to that. And they were used to Clark Lee, who was very much a bend, but don't break. We're going to, you know, make you earn it the whole way down the field. And it was just it's right. a different style. I think they're both very great defensive minds. It's not to say one's better than the other, but it takes some adjusting to. And yeah, you probably don't want to let Navy throw the ball for 200 yards against you on accident, but at the same time, I don't think they will. I don't think that's a concern you ever have to work. Like they'll try, you know, and they may get think, a few off, but I think with Lavate at quarterback, they're a lot more likely to because our line again, I, I I'll still say, I think very highly of our line. I think he just doesn't know the offense well enough yet. And Lavate does. And that's the way you go from here. I think mm-hmm. there's no debate about that at this point. I think yeah. our line's a great athlete and he has a ton of potential to uh, fill different roles in that offense, but he doesn't read the defense well enough. He doesn't make decisions quick enough yet. Right. He also had no ability to throw the football whatsoever. He was like <laughs> one for 20 in his like career or something like that. He was yeah, just, not great. Didn't happen. Lavate is not, again, still a Navy quarterback, but a little bit more consistent. Um, but no, I think this game was really about Memphis showing that they do have that ability to still be explosive on offense and to, yeah, bow up a little bit on defense where they hadn't in the past. Yeah. I meant to text uh, Mike yeah. McIntyre and say congrats. Cause that was, yeah. I thought it was impressive, especially given however much everyone's been hating on the defense. But. You know, what's wild is Hennigan only threw the ball 12 times in this game. That is wild. Because the scores came in such weird ways, you know, There's it wasn't so much like traditional play. From yeah. them. But yeah, eight for 12 for 215, two touchdowns and interception for Seth Hennigan. A weird, weird day. Very uh, weird. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, it was, I, I'm happy to see Memphis. I, you know, of course, we want to see Navy do well because it's Navy, but I'm glad Memphis figured it out. Um, mm-hmm. So. 
And I'm glad to take the W on that. Absolutely. Memphis deserves a lot of credit for figuring out because they were in a spiral. They lost that this game to Navy. They might never win again. But, uh, you know, they're in a better spot now, I think. Yeah. Uh, Do we want to talk about the game that I would rather not talk about next? Uh, Yeah, yeah, so we could, yeah. Yeah, let's. So then we can end with a happy note. (laughs) I think we can end with a much more interesting game, if we're being honest. Yes. Uh, UCF 21, Cincinnati 56. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't that close, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that close. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that Mikey Keene was overwhelmed from the word go. I thought that UCF was going, I didn't think UCF was going to win this game. I want that. Go back, check the record. I said Cincinnati. Right. Thought, we I both picked gonna, Cincinnati, but you thought it was going to be gonna a be game. Closer because I thought that UCF was going to be able to, Cincinnati's rush defense is like in the 50s uh, on the season, around mm-hmm. there. So it's good. It's not great by any means. I thought UCF, especially once Isaiah Bowser was announced to be playing again and healthy, mm-hmm. that they were going to get some of their own on the ground and at least control the clock and you know do a little bit better. I thought that the UCF defense, was going to get a couple stops in the first half. Those are things that just didn't happen. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) I think it became very clear that Mikey King couldn't throw into the secondary at all, and certainly not downfield in the first half. They weren't even really letting him try, which, fine, I get it. You're trying to keep it safe throws to get the ball into athletes' hands quickly. Uh But since then, I just locked up the outside and loaded the box, and there was nothing UCF could do on offense for most of the game. Uh, I'll say this keen flash potential he's got potential there he's just so clearly a freshman out there at nippert stadium he was just not i mean since i has got like three or four nfl starters on their defense right now it just it wasn't a fair fight for a freshman quarterback it wasn't you know and no. then uh your boy uh your buddy jerome ford yes jerome ford he yeah. exploded again for uh you know he torched the ucf defense he uh, did. He got offensive player of the week for the AAC, set a career high for the second consecutive week, mm-hmm. 189 yards, four touchdowns. Who has business scoring four touchdowns? Those I think were game? all in the first half too. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Well, all first were... half touchdowns, all of them. Yeah. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought maybe we got, I thought he had one maybe um, I, in the late, but the craziest thing is that he averaged 9.5 yards per carry. Um, he hit a career high 20 attempts, but his touchdown runs were one yard, two yard, 79 yards, and I then four yards. One. Like weirdest mix. He's just so versatile. Yeah, he, he is a very forward. good running back. And he's a great balance to what Ritter can do a little bit further outside mm-hmm. with on keepers and on, you know, it, it's a very, it's not a, I still don't think Cincinnati has a great offense, but it's a very difficult offense to stop with any consistency. You know, it does yeah. a lot of things very well. It's an elite defense though. That's a top three or four defense in the country, you know, regardless of, you know, conference or yeah. anything. That's really what the strength is. They kept on the broadcast. They kept talking about Desmond Ritter. He's a huge, like, you know, Ritter deserves credit. I'm not trying to take credit away from of him. Course. Like, but they're talking like Ritter, the Heisman candidate. And first off, I was thinking, but not really. Like well, and he's not even the best player in his own offense. Ford's better. I mean, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I know, he does I know have... the Heisman's a quarterback award, but there's like five players in Cincinnati that are more important to the Bearcats than him. Agreed. I, 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 I mean, don't think in it's the nicest way possible. I don't think it's crazy for him to be in in the conversation, given that there's not a lot of 
talent that's been overly impressive. Do you know what I mean? Like we started think, the season, like Spencer no, Rattler was a contender. Like, no, that's clearly now. Right. So Matt like, Corral, but Matt Corral will lay a dud of a game every now and again. Yeah. And I can't stand I think, if he wins the Heisman, I will quit. <laughs> I will literally quit. If he wins the Heisman, I think, like I think Desmond Ritter is a good guy. And yes, like, I think there's a really easy answer to all this that we're over. It's Grayson McCall should win the Heisman. Oh my God. I, I say hold Naylor. No, no. Well, I'm going to stop recording this now. In this. Let me just say this about Ritter. He's the winningest active quarterback in college football, 36 and no, five, which is, or I guess now it's 37 and five. It's pretty no, impressive. No, and it's a complete role reversal from 2018 when he was a freshman and went to the bounce house and was overwhelmed by the bounce house himself. And just <sighs> yeah. could, he couldn't handle that environment. And he got lit up a couple of times in that game. And, you know, UCF blew Cincy out in that game. It's yeah. a complete role reversal. And if, you know, UCF can get Gus on to stay and can develop up instead of losing, you know, their coaching staff every two, three years, I think that they can get back to where they were then and be yeah. in the same spot. I think it just takes time and, you know, a little bit more consistency. I think a lot of UCF fans are going to hit the panic button because three and three is three and three halfway through the year, but it's a rebuilding but, year, man. It's a new coach injury plagued. injury plagued. It's a completely uh. new system. It's, there's a lot of reasons for it. And frankly, this season, if, and I forget the receiver did, it's not worth bringing up their name because it's, it would only lead to, you know, being like, I'm going after him. But if the ball doesn't bounce upwards off of UCF receivers arms into the air for a pick six, Dylan Gabriel and, doesn't oh, break his Lil, collar Lil, against yeah. Louisville. Then Dylan, break, Dylan Gabriel <laughs> doesn't break his collarbone on one of those like weird, stupid pitch plays, which means he plays against Navy, which frankly means they beat Navy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this is their first loss of the year. And it's probably a much closer game because you've got a quarterback. This is that who... fan fiction you were talking about. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> but again, my point, uh, is like, my point is this is how close seasons are to being completely different yeah. for teams. Of course. Uh, and three and three. How you weather the storm is what's going to make you the team you exactly. are. So how you get through this and rebuild you, is going to make you grow UCF's you identity. So. You know, UCF would have beat a Navy if Brandon Johnson doesn't fumble the ball in the fourth quarter. Oh my God. But, okay. We're going to move. We're going to move no. back to Cincinnati because they, they are, are the ones uh, they yeah. won this game. They <laughs> won it home. And this is now their 24th home game winning streak, which they're still second most in the country behind Clemson, but they're closing <laughs> in Clemson has 31. And they're yeah. closing in on that streak. So they're Clemson's the number gonna two lose team at home nation. at some point this year. They, they are for sure. Their, their so, offense is so bad. They should have lost already. But my question to you is this little side Clemson note. Do you think there was talks about Dabo Swinney for the LSU job? No. Do you think he would ever jump ship? To Alabama, yes, not to LSU. Not to LSU. I could no. I weirdly could see it happening. Uh, just because, I think because that, it would be just chaos. Like, why not? So here's why you don't do that if you're Dabo Sweeney. Right. First off, Clemson will pay you any number you ask them to. Mm-hmm. So it's not a money thing. And right. second off, in the ACC in a normal year where your offense isn't anemic, you mm-hmm. walk to the playoff every single year. You're, yeah. You walk to it. If you're at you're, LSU, yeah. you have to play Bama every year. You True. probably have to play Georgia or Florida in the – you know, SEC championship game, if you get that far, Auburn will have years where they're great. You know, people claim Texas a and good every year. I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> it's hard to deny whether you like Link Kiffin or not that Ole Miss is a challenge now. They're maybe not a real threat for the SEC championship, but they're certainly a threat to beat you in any individual game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to be concerned about if you and don't get me wrong lsu is a great program great thing i yeah. can't wait for luke fickle to be their coach next year oh my god <laughs> cincinnati fans are gonna hate us 
I just want to end this game recap by saying congratulations to Cincinnati, number two team in the nation. We're proud yeah, of you. And they're legitimately the number two team in the country. Yeah. Luke Fickle said they don't know what style points are, but they're going to be styling on the rest of the conference all season. They're going to. It's insane. I don't know at this point. I'm going to say there's a reason you... Desmond Ritter was in the fourth quarter of this game because they wanted more points. It's insane to me that they've got, they managed to, they did what the committee asked. They climbed all the way up you know, you into the just top spot. But, yeah, and if you win out, how do you not give them a playoff spot, right? Okay. So right now, you here's what's to. gonna. Here's how they don't get a playoff spot. Uh, Georgia no. wins out, basically. Oklahoma wins out. Ohio State wins out, and Oregon wins out. That's it. I think Michigan's beating Ohio State this year. This I, is the year. Mark my words, everybody. Okay. I was at Big Ten okay. Media Day, and Jim Harbaugh said to us he was going to beat Ohio State this year or die trying. So we're either going to see a Michigan victory or we're going to see a bunch of graves. But either so, way, I'm here for it. Here's what I'll say about that: is I don't like Ohio State or Michigan. I again, everyone knows the Notre Dame thing. Cannot stand Michigan. Right. I've got a like one of my best friends since like you know forever, who's currently gains doctorate at Ohio State. So I'm going to go with the old OHIO. On that, just no good reason for it other than that. Also, well, they're the better team, better coach team. I'm going to Michigan this weekend for the Northwestern game, so I will. Michigan should posted. win that game. Yeah, Michigan. Yeah, duh. Game. But I'm going to check in on think, Harbaugh and see how we're looking for this Ohio State deal. Uh, depends on whether <laughs> or not depends on whether or not Clifford's healthy. But I think Penn State could beat Michigan. I think Michigan State could beat Michigan. They're going to be nine and three again, like usual. Oh my God. All right. I That's regret fine. bringing this up. Um, right. I want to give other, hold on one more honor for yes, Cincinnati. Yes. Oh, Kobe Bryant. He got a bunch, but actually it's six. crazy. Yeah, he did. So scored was, a touchdown on a 74 yard interception run to lead the defense that limited UCF to a season low, 296 yards and 141 passing yards in the win. So. I'm going to say something real quick about that to build up. I'm shocked <laughs> UCF had that many yards in this game because at one point in the first half, they had like 10 yards and like, yeah. it was like a quarter and a half into this game. It was, they were averaging like more half than a, I thought. Yeah. I, I think towards the end of the game, they opened it up a little bit more and were a little bit more okay with Keen maybe throwing into mistakes and they're like, they're like, F it. <laughs> they, well, because the first half, I didn't hate the game plan. The first half of while well, we do like quick slants and screens to get the ball into this UCF has great athletes at wide receiver, even if they're not the you know most refined right now. And even mm. if Jalen Robinson's injured, they still have great athletes. So try to get into athletes in space. But I mean, the corners for Cincinnati are NFL corners, uh, Bryant and uh, Gardner. So like it just, they couldn't do it successfully. And, you know, yeah. that was the way of keeping Keen from having to read that defense and try to, like, hold on to it too long. They let him open it up a little bit in the second half. He gained a little bit more. Again, it was inconsistent because the pick six yeah. was the most telegraphed pick six I've seen in a long time. It was <laughs> a, it was like a slow-developing wide receiver screen from the far hash, and I swear to God, every – it was so well, obvious. At least, at least Kobe Bryant, uh, on my couch, he I got saw it. The pick so. six before he threw the ball. <laughs> Shout out to Kobe Bryant. Uh, and we forgot to no, mention Xavier excellent. Collins from Memphis. He was also on the honor roll um, game high, 12 tackles. So hey, shout out Zay for that. You're in charge of all the honor roll stuff. So I know I'm I not, forgot. I forgot the blame. Memphis guy. The no. rest of it's all Tulsa and South Florida. So let's go. Tulsa, South Florida <laughs> was definitely the best game of the weekend for the American. What you say? Mm -hmm. I think uh, it was so interesting. Oh, wait, I can't give the score. Tulsa 32 <laughs> USF 31. Yes, one point game. We said South Florida. Oh, 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 jokes. 
which you again, said we picked South Florida, both of us, by the I, way. I thought USF was going to win. I'll admit that. I really thought they were too, but I'm they so happy won. to see them fight like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, they did a good job in all phases of the game. They had 14 mm-hmm. points off of a kick return and a, uh, was it pick six? Um, yes. And then they had another seven off a very short field on it. It was either an interception that led to the short field or a fumble recovery that led to like a 15-yard field. Um, a fumble recovery on the kickoff. No, I thought that USF fumble. Was a different, yeah, I'm, I'm, just kidding. I'll jumble up right now with my notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but USF 21 points that they had were either off directly off special teams, a turnover, or a short field off a right. turnover. Um and I want to say this now because I do want to talk about how hard the USF players fought because they deserve that credit. Jeff Scott's the reason they lost this game. Oh, he no. Uh, at the end of the game, he took the ball out of Timmy McLean's hands on a really poorly managed clock situation where they let 30 seconds drain off the clock, wasted a timeout mm-hmm. after that point, and they mm-hmm. took it out of his hands on third and one and then fourth and one both times back to back with direct snaps to the running back that just Jackson player for Tulsa just was waiting for it. And it was, I thought pretty obvious play calling what they were doing because they'd done it a little bit earlier in the game and they wasted time. And I think that's a large, large part of why they lost the game is they got very predictable and too conservative and used the clock in a, I think less than cohesive way. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I, and I think that's a huge part of what happened to them is the coaching staff. You know, USF has a lot of young players that need to learn how to do a lot of things, but this coaching staff is still learning how to coach in games. And I think it shows in games like this that they absolutely should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the players, I want to go back, played really hard and with a lot of energy and effort that you don't normally see from a team in their position at this point yeah. in the season. And I think the USF, like, uh, McLean, these are really talented young guys who can develop into something special. But it's the freshman running back, Brian Batty, who you just talked about, he was the special teams player of the week. Yeah, he had the kick return. Exactly. He became the ninth American conference player in league history, which I did not know, to register a hundred yard kickoff return um, in not the game. Old. Not that old a league either. I know, but that's still impressive to be one of just nine. He's averaging 28.6 yards per return this season, which ranks second mm-hmm. in the American. So shout out to him for getting special teams yeah. player of the week. Yeah. And I, th- I think that the Jeff Scott kind of coaching staff is doing a lot of stuff. Well, they're, they're getting players to play very hard and it's clear mm-hmm. that there's buy-in. Uh, it's obviously a major youth movement. They've finally gotten the funding for an indoor practice facility. There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on with that. That's going well. But last year, I think, I don't remember if I talked about with you or with Joe when he was the co-host of the show, Mm -hmm. when we were talking about USF before the season, I said, Jeff Scott, just as much as anyone else, made clear rookie coach mistakes where he like rookie head coach clock management errors in 2020. There was a lot of them actually. And I'm still seeing him making those same errors in 2021. And that to me is concerning that he hasn't grown in how he manages the clock or how he calls games. He does a lot of other things well, but that's a concern. Okay. That makes sense. I will say that it's impressive. They had 535 total yards of offense. Yeah. Are you sure you you're know? not looking at Tulsa there? Wait, am I? Oh, yeah, I am. Sorry. Yeah. A- <laughs> I, I'm saying, yeah, you're right. 535 yards of offense for Tulsa is impressive mm-hmm. when you beat a team by 
one point. <laughs> the box score is so weird to see, but again, it's if, weird. If you look at the turnovers, that's a huge factor, and it is yeah. One of those turnovers went for a score. The other, like I said, set up like a fifteen-yard field. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. Plus the kickoff return. It's all. Uh, it, it skews stats like that. Uh, it really does. Man, USF was zero for three on fourth down in this game. That's I, I am so familiar yeah. forward on fourth down. I especially like once you're past like your own 45, anything fourth and two or shorter, I say go for it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. obviously there's like situational <laughs> stuff that you need to be aware of where it's like, hey, you know, it's fourth and two from our own 30 and we've got a good kicker and we need to tie this game. You probably tie the game, you know? Yeah. I get it. But like, I, I think coaches need to go for it more than they do on the whole. This is becoming less of a thing I complain about in college and more in the NFL now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I say this after Josh Allen couldn't get half an inch on fourth and, you know, one last night on Monday night football, mm-hmm. but you know, who cares about that? They're the bills. I'm a Patriots mm-hmm. fan. I was happy to see it. Happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. but you know what I mean? So like, I like that aggressiveness, but like I just mentioned, like I thought the play calling on the one towards the end of the game was abysmal and predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, man, 31 first downs for Tulsa, 13 for USF. I, I knew watching the game that it was pretty lopsided. That's so much more lopsided than it felt though. Just again, because you, I think because USF had the lead for most of this game, it doesn't feel like Tulsa dominated statistically or should have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's one of the weirdest box scores I've seen in a very long time. Like, it is. You know, you have to hand it to, to Tulsa's defense um, led by Justin Wright linebacker, who was the defensive player of the week for the American team high, seven tackles, two and a half sacks. And the one final, his final sack was on that USF's final possession um, after the golden mm-hmm. hurricane took its first lead. So that was a very key moment for him to come up big. So mm-hmm. well done by the junior linebacker there, Justin Wright. Mm-hmm. There's a slew of others. I mean, they had, uh, two, two guys got on a roll. Shamari Brooks, obviously, for the yeah, game-winning touchdown. Yeah, he was he was incredible. 145 yards and that touchdown on 23 carries. And then the junior running back, Deneric Prince, rushed mm-hmm. for 110 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, they all got honors. So Tulsa's, it was good. Tulsa's a good running team when they really put yes. their mind to it. They really that's their probably the strength of their offense because I'm. Davis Sprint, I think, is a very limited quarterback in terms of what he can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not a super knock on him. It's just a little reality to that. Uh, it just again, is though, what it is. <laughs> again, though, I didn't think that they let Timmy McLean go and try to win the game. I thought they were just still too conservative with him. And that's the thing. that. Well, they're I, like you. They didn't believe in him enough. Well, no. Going back to when I said to play uh, Cade Forden <laughs> at the start of the year. That's because they had done all these things. Like Cade Forden's the guy, he's the guy. Then it was like uh, the second drive of the game. They're like, Oh, what if we tried the other guy out? And I was just like, you have to pick one and go for it. You, It's been over a month now that they've had Timmy McLean picked as the guy. And now like, listen, it's not getting any worse at USF this mm-hmm. year. Like you're not going to a bowl game. Let him go open it up and see what he can really do and let him learn by making mistakes. Like I just said about Mikey Keen and UCF against Cincinnati. Like when you're super conservative with him, and that's something I thought would probably be a good idea against Cincinnati, it wasn't working when you let him open up. And even though he made mistakes throwing downfield, he also made things happen more. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. go let them learn what the offense should look like next year. You know what I mean? Go let a young player like that go play. Like, I mean, Seth Hennigan makes mistakes at Memphis, but he also makes a lot of great plays as a freshman. I think that that's because they let him go downfield with the ball, whereas McLean 
was really not allowed to. I mean, he took some shots downfield, obviously. I'm not trying to say everything was two yards downfield, but it just feels like they don't have the full trust to let him just go out and run the offense right now. Yeah. Well, it's onward and upward for USF. We're, they're doing exactly what we wanted to see from them, which is make strides moving forward and do better than they did the week before. Yeah. So, yes, it's a heartbreaking loss, and you hate to see that fortitude go out the window at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's better than what we've seen, and it's trending up. So yeah. Exactly. It's like I've said before, it's, you have to watch the – like actually watch the USF games actually yeah. like see the foundation that's being, yeah. built. that's what's more important than the wins loss or like, I know right. we're just talking about the box score being funky, but it's funky. So what, look at the actual game itself and see how you got there. And you get yeah. a good feeling from seeing those guys fight. I think, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of effort there that you like to yeah. see. Um, Tulsa, I thought, you know, I didn't think they were going to win the game. So I thought that <laughs> it was good to see that they actually fought back. Cause that's an easy time to just be like, roll over. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Just be like, ah, I guess we lost. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it is. I know it sounds silly, but like, it's easy to let that be your mentality. Once you go down two scores on the road, even if it's an, you know, I'm going to say an empty stadium, you know, the crowd was not good at Ray J and that's a whole other debate and topic of conversation that over at the daily stampede, the SB nation USF full site, they've done a lot of work over the years talking about how bad USF markets their athletics and how poor attendance has been even when usf is good and they announced something like twenty one thousand people were at that game i don't know if two thousand were at that game it was that bad the attendance on saturday and i get it and i get it they're bad it's hot in florida on a saturday afternoon i get it but But maybe if you have that crowd then that game goes differently exactly there's you know you don't have crazy it's not a great environment right now and i I get it from the fans who'd be like, why would I go pay money to watch a team lose? But it's supposed to be a community they that you're won. a part of. It's supposed to be a community that you're a part of and excited to be about, you know, no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just want yeah. to pay money to watch UConn versus UMass a couple weeks ago. Let me tell yeah, you Yeah, that's I true. I wasn't thrilled that I had to pay money to go see it, but, I, <laughs> but it's honestly like, even if you're bad, there's something fun to being a part of the community still. And, and you you're know, supporting the guys on the field who have to be there no matter what. So. Yeah. But definitely, like I said, check out the Daily Stampede stuff about like what they've talked about. Yeah. And it goes back years, them talking about this type of stuff. But it's definitely mm. worth checking out. For um, sure. I was one and two this week. I yeah. First losing record on the year for a week. It's only three games, so does it really count? I don't think It does. So. My two and one counts, so. <laughs> All right. That's yeah, fair. Uh, that puts me at 45-17 on the season year, 33-29. and 29. Uh, we're about halfway through the year. So there's yeah. plenty of time to catch up with that. You know, it's I'm not, hanging in there, not going negative yet. Yeah. So we'll see. Hey, you've we'll got see. a four. If you, I don't know how many games we haven't looked at the next week's schedule too close. I haven't yet. really yet. I mean, we I will. know Tulane's playing, so I'm probably screwed. Well, it's the space game. It's the Memphis uh, UCF space game, as I know that much. Wait, mm. is it? Mm-hmm. Mm. It is, right? I'm yeah, not, it is. I'm not yep. jumping a week. Is, I no, no, no. Could I think jumping that... a week. I'm pretty sure that's right because we talked about it on the last um, episode, all of the uniforms. Yes, yes, it is. So, yeah. Okay, because I just in the back of my head remembered seeing that the UCF Temple game on the 30th is noon. I was like, wait a minute, that's not this week, is it? So I'm yeah. Terrible. So yeah, there is going to be a yeah the UCF Memphis Space game. I'm really excited for that game. It's at the Bounce House Space uniform. Yeah. Uh, you know, Memphis UCF has in recent years, no matter where the teams have been, it's usually towards the top of the conference. Been an incredibly fun game. 
Good. Uh, that I think that's definitely one to look for. I mean, I like I said, I haven't looked at the schedule closely. For Thursday anymore. nights, the Tulane SMU game. So. so you better not pick Tulane. Oh, I might. Why would you? I might Tulane? do it. I might do it. And I don't Tulane know. <laughs> and when Tulane's defense gives up fifty points, what are you going to do? Because Tulane's defense is bad. But watch, like I'll pick SMU, and then Tulane does upset. SMU. I think that'd be funny. I think that'd be very funny. <laughs> Oh, we'll see. You guys will have to listen to the next yes. podcast to find out. Yes. And we will have to figure out who's playing next week. Yes. <laughs> we'll get on that right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96. I remembered my last you- name. Good job. <laughs> it took me it's a Tuesday. Second. It is. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. Awesome. And we're off. <laughs>